I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. Joe Winters founded Pave the Path on February 23rd, 2017. Pave the Path is an amazing organization that basically helps inspire young people. And Joe, you do a great job at sharing your life story, sharing your experiences. But the thing that really stands out to me is that you hold young people accountable. And I think that's a very unique message that Pave the Path has. Now, my question to you is, how did you identify that that accountability was a big gap? Because for many, we're like, oh, they're kids and, you know, boys will be boys, girls will be girls. You only live once. And I think a lot of times we forget that every human being spends more time as an adult than they do as a child. But many of the things we do in our childhood can betray our adult futures. So yes. how did you identify that accountability was that gap and that paved the path could fill that gap? Honestly, it just... It really comes from my life story. When I was younger, I had lost my mom at a young age. My dad was very abusive. When I lost my mom, my dad was actually in prison. And when he got out of prison, you know, he pretty much exiled us from my mom's side of the family. Um, I grew up troubled, didn't really get to see her side of the family. And I had a young life leader by the name of Brian Leverett. He came into my life. When I met him, I was a boy. Like I, like mentally, I mean, you know, granted I did a lot of things that my peers didn't have to do at that time. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, I was still a boy. But the great thing about Brian was that he respected me like I was a man. When he would talk to me, he would listen to me. And the biggest thing that I loved was that Brian, you know, he comes from a great family. He said to me multiple times, you know, Joe, I was never going to walk into your life and act like I know what it's like to go through the things you've been through. And ultimately, that's, that said a lot to me. So... For him to come into my life, he's, he's a part of Young Life. I don't know if you've heard of the organization. Um, it's a beautiful Christian um, organization, nonprofit organization. He would listen to me, and he would just offer advice where he could, but then he also, it's almost like he just knew that, like, the only thing he could do was play an assistant role in my life because, ultimately, I was going to have to figure out how to get from where I was to where I wanted to be. Mm. It was a blessing that an adult came into my life with that perception, with that perspective, because so many adults, they come into a child's life with this idea that like, you're a child, you don't know what you're talking about. Ultimately, I feel like you cannot raise kids. You can't raise kids like that. You can't devalue a kid's train of thought that way. Because essentially, one thing I learned in um, one of my psychology classes was that a child learns best when they're young. Whenever you want a child to learn two or three languages, you have to teach them when they're young. It's easier for a child to learn how to speak English, Spanish, or French if they started when they were in kindergarten versus us trying to learn a language now when we don't know it. So it was that, right? And I know speaking of trying to learn a different language is extremely hard at this point. Children do learn a lot easier when they're younger because it's easier to internalize it. You know, if you're talking about boxers, for example, Boxers are really great at their trade because they, or most of them, not, I mean, you have a lot of boxers that they, they might start later than others, but majority of boxers, they start boxing at a very young age. And 
that's what makes them an expert at their trade because it's, it's something that they've done over the course of time. So I started really understanding and realizing that a child does learn best actually when they're young, the earlier you start actually giving a child that respect that you're human. Like just because you're a child doesn't mean I shouldn't talk to you like you aren't human. Then I started realizing like, okay, instead of saying to a child, oh, you're a child, you don't know any better. I should just hold a child accountable. Mm. Like it's not about saying, you know, oh, you don't know any better. No, it's about first leading them by example, right? Like you can't tell a child, you know, you should be doing this, this and that, and you're not doing those things. So I guess it's the self-accountability first and then being in the, in the children's life and real, getting them to realize like, hey, man, you know, you can't control the problem. You can't control an equation. You know, you got two plus two equals four, five plus five equals 10. And being so focused on the problem, you can end up with the wrong solution. But the reality is, is when you focused on the right solution, that's what's going to get you to navigate from um, a troubled background like, you know, like I came from to um, where, I, where I am today, basically. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you, you know, you just took us through how your path was interrupted in a positive way by a coach, by a mentor, by someone who saw in you that you have, you definitely have the ability to go further. But I understand that we started at different trajectories, but we don't have to accept where we came from, so to speak, and I'm here to share when I can and listen when I can and maybe present some ideas to help you see beyond where you currently are. And I think you talked us through how that accountability, even for children, not just doing as I say, but modeling and showcasing that you can start with limited resources or from a troubled background and totally choose an opposite path for yourself. I love, again, the name of your organization, Pave the Path, because you guys are leaving a trail, a path that children can follow. I love this quote that you have. I created Pave the Path to be a resource for kids who have limited resources. Every kid doesn't have equal opportunity at success because of their environment or life at home. It triggered for me. I used to be a teacher's assistant when I was attending university as my volunteering. And I always remember even the most forward thinking, high achieving students, their trajectory wasn't to truly impact the world. It would just be as simple as, hey, Mr. Bernard, I want to leave the projects. Like if I can do that, I had a good life. If I could do that, then all that I did in school was worth it. And sometimes I'd be blown away because I'd be wondering like, don't they know that they could go on to own a company, start an organization, lead a school as the principal or lead a school as a teacher? And that's why what you and your team really focus on really resonates with me because you're helping people to have vision. Do you think without Young Life, without having that mentor, that coach, do you think you still would have ended up where you're at or do you just see a total different trajectory minus the vision that being around that community of faith, being around that type of inspirational and disciplinarian, but more through example, caused you to, you know, just have that bigger vision just for your own life? Do you think you would have still found your way out or do you think it would have been totally different? Yeah, that's a, and that's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that question. I think through wanting to make my mom proud, mm-hmm. when I graduated high school, I still do believe that I would have, you know, did, I guess, the, um, the minimum, 
graduate high school, get a job, I would have been way more selfish. I can tell you that right now. Like mm-hmm. I, I would have been way, way, way more selfish. I would have had more hatred for people because I, I did have a lot of hatred for people growing up because there was a lot of my friends who, they simply, I guess, wasn't paying attention. I'm not saying that's, that's the case for all of my friends, mm-hmm. but my friends weren't paying attention. They're like, I was going through some things that a kid just shouldn't have to go through. But as far as Young Life, Young Life is a great organization, but you know, I've met multiple Young Life leaders. So whether Young Life impacted Brian in such a great way, that made Brian come into my life and do the things that he did. I'm not sure, but I know that it was more so Brian himself, really, Mm -hmm. um, Young Life, because I don't know another Young Life leader like Brian Leverett's. It's like schools, right? Like you go to a school and you can always find that one teacher or that one coach that's like really great. That doesn't mean that every staff member in the school was great. Right. You know, Brian, he's just, he, he believed in me. And I remember... When I graduated in high school, and I graduated in 2011, and I was going through a lot of stuff, and I was kind of like, man, you know, I'm not going to try to go to school. You know, like, football is over for me. I victimized myself a lot. Mm. Uh, the documentary that ultimately, like, helped play a huge role in me changing my life was actually watching LeBron James' documentary, More Than a Game. I remember I was standing at one of my friend's house at, at the time named Solomon Manny. He told me, it's like, hey, bro, I want you to watch this documentary. So I'm watching LeBron James' documentary, and I mean, one, he's skilled from, from the beginning. But his dedication, his drive, and his work at the Geechee every year, even though he was good the year before, he just pushed to be great the, you know, the next year. And even whenever he was as great as people thought you could be, he worked to get even greater. And each and every year, he worked to get even greater. And so that little spark in me as to say, you know, my football career isn't over. And you know what? I'm, I'm about to try to go to college. You know, so I remember I called Brian Leverage, and I was like, hey, Brian, um, I would really love to go to school. I really don't know where to start. You know, I've looked up some schools. He asked me, you know, how did you go about looking up schools? And I said, well, I took the top five states I would want to live in. And then I looked up like 10 D1 or at the time it was like five D1 schools. I looked up six or seven D2 schools, three or four D3 schools, and then two or three junior colleges in each state. Because at the time I, I didn't have the grade, like GPA requirements to get into any school in the state of Texas, which is where I'm from. So I'm like, B, but like, how am I supposed to get to school when like my dad and, and people here in the city, like they, I can't even get a ride to go down the street. Like, so how am I going to get to a school in a different state? And he said to me, you know, Joe, if you do everything to get accepted into the school from taking your SATs, ACTs, um, you figure out how you're going to pay for school by any means necessary mentality. You got financial aid, you have all these things. I will drive you to any school in the nation and make sure that you get back on Christmas breaks and summer breaks, as well as getting, being able to go back to school. So, you know, I had this, um, I mean, he just ultimately was like the help that I needed because kids need great motivation, kids need great accountability, but kids also in my position, they do need help physically. I wouldn't have been able to get to school if I didn't have someone to say, you know, I'm going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, come pick you up and then drive you 10.5 hours to go to the state of Alabama so you can attend University of North Alabama. And that's exactly what he did. Turned back around, drove back the very next day after he dropped me off. And um, like each Christmas break, each summer break, he paid for my plane ticket to come back down to Fort Worth and um, paid for my plane ticket to go back to school. So ultimately that was really huge. And so at this point, I wasn't selfish anymore. At this point, I was no longer like a selfish being because someone else was like laying it on the line for me. So I remember my 
you know, after about a year and a half, two years of being at the University of North Alabama, um, I still was paying out of state tuition. And one thing that he did for me was every semester I was short tuition, probably like $35,000, $4,000. And I would call him and I would say, Brian, like, you know, like, hey, like I, I kind of screwed up um, the first semester and I just, I, I need to take a little bit of extra courses and I don't know how I'm going to pay for them. And he would ask me to give him the deadline. I would give him the deadline and he would make sure that it's like the final deadline. Like he wanted the deadline, like the absolute latest deadline plus all the fees on top. And um, I would give him that deadline and each semester I would call him on the day of the deadline and he would say, give me the admissions office number. He had the money each, each semester. And you know, so because he was doing that for me, like I, there's no way at this point I could be selfish. Like I'm like, man, like somebody is really laying it on the line for me. I remember one semester I ended up having great enough grades to transfer back to um, a school in the state of Texas where I could be paying in-state tuition and essentially go from coming out of pocket $4,000. And it wasn't coming out of my pocket. It was coming out of my support system's pocket. And I decided to transfer back because I didn't want to be selfish. And from that point forward, I've just, I mean, being selfish really isn't my end game. You know, I just really don't really believe in it, to be absolutely honest with you. I do believe that when it comes to personal growth and personal development, that you have to be selfish. You have to fix yourself first. But I don't think your motives behind your personal development should not be selfish. Your motives behind personal development should be help myself so I can help those that I love and help the world a better place. You want to leave the world better than you found it, you know? Yeah. Wow. 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 You answered my next question what you shared, but I want to ask it so that people hear and understand your heartbeat because it reflects what you shared about putting others first while still taking care of yourself at the level you need to so that you can continue to serve them. One of the things I enjoy about your organization, and I'll read it because it's so powerful, Pave the Path also plans to create funding opportunities for kids with lower GPA scores because of living conditions. And I think there's a sub-segment of society who doesn't understand that they are brilliant students. They are brilliant young men and women, but they are born into the families they're born into, and they do find themselves living in the conditions that they are living in. And, you know, we, we hear about the success stories, homeless to Harvard, things like that, that get us all pumped up. But that's like one in a hundred. That's the one in a thousand. What about your everyday men and women who really have something in them to share with the world, these gifts, these talents, but without organizations like yours, they could slip through the cracks. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. So I just thank you for sharing about just your heart to truly give back and to serve and the investment that was made in you and why you're paying it forward at such an amazing rate and in an amazing way, because Again, as we you know, kicked off the conversation, I talked about my respect for those who are on the front lines, truly in the schools and creating the after school programs, making sure that our children have these opportunities that at times would not be afforded to them. Most definitely. Now, let me ask you about this. With an organization like yours, just being so unique and having the ability to pivot, tell me about just how you chose your team members. And I know that, you know, because you're a man of faith and your mission is for children, that relationships matter deeply to you as well. So what would you share to others who need to build a team and to build an organization about choosing team members of character, choosing team members who truly see the vision and are committed to the work? 
I think the first step is authentic leadership. So I think the first step is understanding your strengths and your weaknesses. Um, and understanding um, exactly what it is that you want. You have to know yourself first, ultimately. You cannot be um, what T.D. Jake said is a schizophrenic leader. You can't not know what you want. So I know what I want in a team. Granted, there has been some people that are brought on solely based on the fact that we were friends and, and those things didn't work out. So I will say that, you know, don't be so quick to call on someone just because they're a buddy. Okay. So first knowing yourself and knowing what you want. And then next, after that, handpicking your first few leaders that ultimately believe in you, ultimately believe in your cause, ultimately believe in, believe that you're connected to your cause personally, you know, because there's a lot of people that they're not connected to their cause. They create something because it's a great idea. And if I'm not knocking anyone that does that. If that's your route to take, then that's your route. But my personal opinion, like I'm connected to anything that I do by heart, through faith and, and spirit. I think that's very um, crucial. But when I chose the uh, members that I chose, so for example, um, my chief financial officer, Marissa Lejeune, my senior year of college, I ruptured my patella tendon. This was playing football. I ruptured my patella tendon and ultimately brought my college football career to an end. Marissa was a softball player at the university as well. And she had a, a hurt leg. And so we both were in rehab. That's where I met her. We would rehab together. We were always getting extra work, going over to the weight room together. And ultimately, from the moment that I met her, she did. She, I mean, it was a little tough at first, but she followed my lead when it came to, you know, just trying to be great. But the biggest thing that I, I loved about her, even being a, um, a woman, and this is the number one thing that I look for in any woman that wants to join my team, is knowing that you are equal to men. There are a lot of women that live in this world and they automatically submit to the idea that, I mean, we're women and, and you know how it is for women. I, I don't believe in that. I want women to join my team that ultimately knows, you know, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean that I cannot compete at the level that men can compete at. That was something that just automatically intrigued me about herself. And then Matt Johnson, which is our chief professional officer, um, he's just, um, he's very adamant about strength and conditioning, about being a, he has faith, um, he's a believer, he's hardworking. Ultimately, he's an effective communicator. I really look for those skills in people where they know themselves, but they ultimately challenge themselves to be better. People that are very aware, I guess, but to wrap it up in a nutshell, people that are very aware that friendship is friendship and business is business as well. You know, because a lot, the people that I chose, they were my friends. Every person that I chose were my friends, but there was only a few of them that really understood we're not going to really get anywhere with Joe from a friendship standpoint whenever Joe has been tied to this cause through what he's been through. For myself, I see it in the standpoint that I'm not going to let my friendship with you come in between me trying to help kids coming from what I come from. And ultimately, my team, going back to what I was saying at, you know, at the beginning, they believed in my cause and they believed that I was tied to that cause. Yeah, I love it. I love that you took the time to talk about your leaders, talk about handpicking your leaders and then truly touching on the character touch points or even the mindset of each leader and how as we build organizations, if we model some of what's working for you, it'll work for us as well. I think it was important for you to go as deep as you did because many do miss that friendship is friendship 
and building something to last is building something to last. You have this great quote on your Twitter that says, what we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for others and the world remain immortal. Unpack that for us. Yes. So growing up, the person I've always looked up to is Dr. King. Mm. Dr. King was very, very selfless. And he's an individual that to this day, his legacy has carried on. For him, it was not about the legend. You got the legend, then you have the legacy. The legend is, is who you are. And ultimately, the legend dies when you die. And then the legacy is what continues to carry on beyond your existence. And, you know, you have people that they have different legacies and um, multiple different industries or, or perspectives and, and things like that of that nature. And mine just so happened to be wanting to leave this earth knowing that a lot of kids come from what I come from won't be graduating high school having to face some of the challenges I had to face. Mm. It's my goal each and every day when I wake up to build, pave the path in such a way, in such a dynamic to where when I'm gone, I mean, it's, it's flourished so well that kids across the nation and, and hopefully in other countries are very aware that just because of the situation that I, I may have came from doesn't mean that there isn't an organization out there that's willing to really help me get through school. You know, we have a lot of companies and, and organizations that they're about helping kids with 3.5 GPAs. And I, I really do appreciate that. I mean, every kid that busts their tail to get those grades, that is great. But they have forgotten about kids like myself. Mm. Ultimately, that hurts me. So for myself, seeing how I, I left school and I had so much kind of hatred towards all of these places that it was all about your grades. I said, you know, really at my senior year, like, man, when I get the ability to, I will create something that will help kids coming from what I come from. And it's not just limited to kids coming from what I come from. I'm, I'm not prejudiced by any means. That's why we have scholarship categories to help kids with the 3.5 GPAs and other categories. But we were really built on the foundation to fill the cracks and not let kids slip between those cracks, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Again, you're looking back to the exact moments that put you in a trajectory to more and not ignoring those pivot points, so to speak. And I think if more of us would do that, if we're looking to the communities that we're from and understand what was the catalyst for change for us and focus on giving back to that particular spot, we would be able to open up so many doors for others, but I think it's so easy to do what's always been done. Like you said, the 3.5s to the 4.0s. And again, there's this assumption that if we give to that level, we're guaranteed a return when the truth is, when you find someone who's willing to fight for it because they fought to get through so much already, that that little push, that little nudge, someone to believe in them, as you mentioned and you shared in your story, would make all the difference in the long-term results because, again, not knocking, but we don't see a lot of people who didn't make it through some of what you've made it through have a heart to give back at the level that you're giving back. Most definitely. I agree. Now, I wanted to touch on this. I enjoy learning about people through their choice of what they share on their social media. And one of the things that you shared that I find very powerful is on your Instagram, uh, Joe Winters. So it's J-L Winters, W-I-N-T-E-R, and it has two S's, S-S. 
and make sure you're following Joe on his Instagram and also follow Pave the Path. It's at one, the number one, P-A-V-E-T-H-E-P-A-T-H. Now on your Instagram, you have Philippians 4.13 and I'm very familiar with that verse and, and you shared about you know, your experience with the young life, you shared about overcoming so much adversity, but I'd love to hear from you what that means to you and how that's become a foundational truth of who you are. Most definitely. At this point, this is where it gets probably the most realist. Um, so right before I was graduating high school, late junior year, um, early senior year, I started having suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did do the whole, you know, cutting. And I did there were times where I would sit, um, you know, on Chapel Creek's bridge and really just contemplate life. And there was three things that made me really realize that I shouldn't. One, I always was taught through the church that there is only one guaranteed way to hell Mm. by taking your life. It was that that made me realize, well, if I'm going to get through everything um, that I need to get through, it's through Christ. It's through God. Mm. That ultimately was my biggest thing. It's, It's the strength that he gave me, realizing that me taking my life is only going to get me somewhere that ultimately I knew in my head my mom wasn't that because, see, I do know and believe that my mom is in heaven mm-hmm. and reconnect with my mom. So that was really um, the foundation there. And then number two was wanting to make my mom proud. Ultimately, I knew that I would fail her to take my life because so the back end of my mom taking at a young age, she was killed when I was eight years old. Oh, wow. And because she was killed, I had to get over thinking about taking my life because my mom wouldn't want that. My mom would not want me. Like she, you, I don't know if the connection could be understood there, but my mom being killed is, I, to me, a great meaning I should not be killed, let alone I should not take my own life. Mm-hmm. So to my mom, she would still be here on this earth today. Yeah. Um, that was number two. And then number three, Basically, through the strength of God and believing that I can do all things through Christ, I had to believe in myself. And a lot of people, they do tend to find bigger things to believe in, which is good. But a lot of people miss believing in themselves. Mm. Serena Williams, once I once seen on Serena Williams, I love this, but she posted, if I ask you, what all do you love? How long would it take you to save myself? And essentially, ever since then, I've been very um, adamant about understanding that God has to come first and I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Also, uh, saying that I want to make my mom proud means that there's no way that I can forfeit my life nor forfeit my dreams and goals. And then, you know, I have to believe in myself and love myself to be able to accomplish those things. Wow. Wow. Thank you for you know, sharing your journey and your story. I think that's truly how we help others connect to that one step beyond that desperate moment. And I think just in hearing your words and how you shared them and just your heart for helping people see beyond the moment, I know that your mom is smiling down. I know that she's proud. I know that she's celebrating the man that you've become and and how you're helping to make men and 
and nurture and, and champion women. So thank you for sharing that and just truly continuing your journey. I want to now know this. Take me to graduation day. What was that feeling? What was that morning like knowing that you did the work? You had amazing mentors, coaches, teammates, support, but ultimately you stayed the course and here you are graduation morning. So you asked, you know, it was, it was, it was first like, ah, <laughs> I did it. Ah! <laughs> I mean, man, I, I mean, that's just, that, that was, that was the first thing because there was so many besides everything that I went through. There were a lot of people that were like, you know, Joe, you're not going to get there. You, I mean, look at everything that you've been through. You're not, it's too hard. It's too tough. And that was it. Just me roaring and, I believe that when things ultimately get the toughest, like don't get me wrong, I do. I'll call up Brian and I know that I can talk to Brian about anything. But when things get the toughest and when I get, um, when I have, you know, my most proud moments, I have to roar and I have to spiritually connect with my mother. Ultimately, she's the driving force behind everything that I do. Wow. And um, after, um, I mean, our graduation morning and just knowing like, man, I'm almost there. It's like, you know, I felt so lifted. And at that point, I had did everything in my life that I said that I would ever do. Mm. Because of that, I now would like to just give back to each and every person that is fighting this, like, man, it's too hard to reach my dreams. If I did it, you can do it too. Wow. Wow. Again, back to your, your theme of holding young people accountable, but leading by example, not saying you can go and you didn't go. You actually went, you actually finished, you actually stayed the course. So you're like, look, I know where you started and I'm telling you that you can definitely do this. And you can also lay that out with this truth of your own journey, of your own life experience. You know, I'm excited. I even enjoyed hearing you roar because many of us don't understand the pressure release that it is to know that, wow, I, I said it and I did it. I literally accomplished what I set out to do. Now, you had a phenomenal 2017. Kudos to that amazing work. And a lot of your life's path laid the foundation for 2017. 2018, what's on the horizon for you? What's on the horizon for Pave the Path? What can we look forward to? What should we expect? What's on the horizon for myself is continuing to grow, making sure that I stay hungry, staying thirsty. I listen to Eric Thomas weekly. He said that an alligator is at its weakest once it's eaten. Mm. We got to stay thirsty. So that's for me, you know, each and every day is a grind. I do believe that success is not owned. You can never own success. You can only rent it. And, you know, every day I'm grinding. Um, I just paved the path here in 2017. Um, we're actually about to be releasing us a podcast here soon. You know, we already have a YouTube channel up. We're going to be posting motivational videos once a week, starting here in about two or three weeks or so. Those videos would also be uploaded to our motivational channel on the website, which is pavedthepathforyouth.org. And then you can click the motivational tab. Right now, there's a, a You Are Worthy video up by um, our very own Marissa LeJune. 2018, we're just, we're activating and, and we're going to continue to push forward. Um, we understand that 2017, we did a lot of great things. 
Um, all the things that we did is what got us here, but those things is not what's going to keep us here. So we know that there's just a lot of great work. Love that. I love that. And um, I look forward to just your motivational content, you sharing your message of not just hope, because I think that's one level, but your message of doing the work that allows the change. And I love how you talked about success is temporary. You have to pay that rent. And before you pay the rent, you have to go earn whatever yeah. rent is. Before yeah. you I think at times we miss the process and we miss the path. And I, I love that even as I talk to you and I hear more of your organization and the work it took to get things to this point, you know, roads don't stay paved. And so what you're saying is we're paving this path and we have to check to make sure it's still paved for those coming behind us. So I really respect that. Now tell us a bit about how those like myself and others can donate to what you guys are doing and what's the best way to do that. There's two ways. Um, as far as, you know, helping out with um, scholarships and things like that of that nature, you can go to pave the path for youth.org. We have a donations and scholarships page where you click there and um, you can make a donation there. It's always going to be up even greater donation. And this is my opinion, you know, is, is also activating and investing time. Um, I believe that time is the most valuable currency. A lot of kids just need people to be around and things like that of that nature. And, um, you know, right now our headquarters, we're, we're stationed here in Fort Worth. So if, any was to ever want to come down here and help with workshops. We're actually about to implement the program at my alma mater, Arlington Heights High School. So just coming down and just, you know, speaking to the kids through the program, coming down and doing community service. But most importantly, um, and the biggest thing is doing community service right in the um, poor communities that are in your surrounding areas and things like that of that nature, because we're trying to help all the kids of the world. So investing time, that would be great because you're paving the path for those kids. But as far as helping with contributions to help with scholarships and to help create sustainability and things like that of that nature, you can go to our um, website, pavethepathforyouth.org, make the donations and scholarships tab, and make a donation. I love it. I love it. You know, again, thank you for getting the word out because I know where many times you don't hear thank you enough. Your work is not overlooked because it's so necessary and you're truly an example for those who are coming behind you. Now, big question, challenge question. Do you see yourself staying local to Texas for your entire organization or do you see it growing? Do you ever see at some point expanding to different regions, maybe even different states. What's the vision for the growth of an organization as transformational as Pave the Path? So the vision is we have, so basically we have this um, leadership development program and with the leadership development program, our goal is to get paved the path in as many universities as possible across the state, as well as across the nation. And we empower those college students in these universities so that way they can go to the local high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, and conduct our Commit to Your Future program for the youth. So that's one of the many ways of expanding um, as we move forward and we create more sustainability 
you know, I do plan on doing a, a lot of traveling myself because I would like to, I am very big on being on the front line, as you would say. And I, I want to shake every kid's hands that ever wants to meet me or, or wants to talk to someone that, you know, about the things that they're going through and things like that. I'm very adamant about personally playing the role in their life as Brian did for me. But we do know that, you know, we're trying to take things a step at a time. So we're honestly, we're trying to make sure that we can really expand throughout the state of Texas, really um, do just really get established here in Texas, take over the state and then begin transforming and growing throughout the United States as well as in, in different countries too, because um, there's opportunity everywhere. And I want to make sure that everyone sees that opportunity. As long as you wake up every day, you have opportunity. And the old school guy that I know, his name's actually Joe as well. He says to me, every time I see him, every day is a holiday, every meal is a celebration. Honestly, celebrating life each and every day that you wake up. And I would like to get as many students, as many kids to transform their way of thinking from like, why me, why me, why me, to why not me? Let me do the things that I need to do. To answer your question, though, we, we do plan on expanding. And we are we're working on the sustainability. So that way we are able to have the um, expenses and the, um, I guess, cash flow necessary to make sure that we can get to any state and get to any school on call. Because, I mean, this is my service. I love it. I love it. And one of the reasons I asked was, you know, at times you have the key to unlock the success of so many others, but without a vision for more, I think so many people fall through the cracks only because we didn't see that this would work just as strongly in New York, New Mexico, Oregon, or Washington state where I'm at. And I love that you do have a vision even for international outreach and international community building because there are children who would benefit from this message and your vision for, hey, if you're willing to push, we're willing to provide you the opportunity, much like you shared about your journey as well. Now, as we prepare to close, I'm challenged by just your work, you know, the consistency, the reliability, because like you mentioned, that's what most of these young people need. They need someone who's going to be reliable and stable in their life. I'm pivoting the question just a bit. How can we empower parents who might not have had a great environment in their childhood and without knowing it, they're duplicating some of the bad habits? How can we empower parents to start the process of change so that they can support signing their child up for one of the programs, one of your workshops, when, again, they've never been exposed to that, so they might not even trust the process or trust that it works. How can we empower parents to maybe take that first step so that we then can truly unlock for their children what's next? That's a great question. And at this very moment, I don't have the most concrete answer because one thing about my work and what I believe is that you can't really tell parents, you can't really tell adults things sometimes. And because so many adults, they look at a young dude like myself, I'm only 24 years old, and think, oh, you're young. Like, what do you know? So in reality, it's like, you know, it's like, I literally think it's that train of thought right there that creates those bad habits because you're teaching to be ignorant. And as we know, that's, that's not a shot at anyone. Ignorant is simply not knowing. Right. And you're teaching that it is okay to 
disregard without trying to grasp an understanding. You know, I, I do believe that if in a perfect world or, or if I was going to start um, with the parent, it would just be trying to get them to see and understand, like, you know, your kid is powerful beyond measure. Mm-hmm. Why can't your kid be, I don't even like saying, why can't your kid be the next LeBron or why can't your kid be the next Jordan or why can't your kid be the next Dr. King? It's a, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the next Dr. King. My name is Joe Winters. As much as he inspires me, as much as Dr. Thomas inspires me, I think it's just a matter of getting the parent to understand why can't your child be the next whatever it is they're passionate about being. Have you asked your child, you know, what it is they really want to do in life? Right, right. Have you taken the time to sit down with your kid and try to understand their strengths and their weaknesses so you can help their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And you know, one thing that I see with a lot of parents, they're so caught up. Actually, I, th- I think this is a great one right here too. We got to get a lot of parents to stop caring for what their friends think. A lot of parents haven't gotten out of what their friends think. And because they haven't gotten out of wanting approval from their friends, they're oftentimes subject to neglect things that their kid might say to them. So like, for example, your kid might come to you and go, oh, mom, I have insecurities or, you know, like I have problems there with this. And, and their parents are like, oh, no, you don't, kid. You've always been, you've always been tough. Like, are, are you saying that to that kid because you want that for them and you don't want, I mean, like it's, it's like a contest between you and your friends, like who has the tougher kid? Granted that you see the best in your kid, you have to also understand that none of us are God. Mm. And because none of us aren't God, if your kid comes to you with concerns about things that they lack in, instead of battling what they lack in with what you want them to have, you solely need to listen and help empower them in those areas that they lack thereof. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was deep on many levels. One of the things that you triggered for me with how you ended it was, you know, you're in the great state of Texas and football is football. And I could hear that child saying, dad, I don't like football and him just not being listened to because that's like something you don't say if you grew up in Texas. (laughs) (laughs) But as you mentioned, it could be real for that child. Like I just don't like maybe the hitting or, you know, something they might love boxing, but might just dislike football. It's just something that might occur, but you're not listening because as you mentioned, you're kind of still in that approval space as their parent and what their friends think. But you also solved a challenge for me. I was wrestling with this quote, as we know, it's uh, Black History Month. And it's something Frederick Douglass said. He said, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And I've been, again, I don't have children, So I've been wrestling with this, like, is that true? And you just came in and was like, there it is, Bernard. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, whoa. So I I love, you know, how deep you went with that because it really is worth sharing. And I think if we do share this more, we can help parents who at times are gatekeepers move out of the way and allow organizations like yours to pave the path to who their children can truly become. So thank you for that. Now, the floor is yours. Tell everyone how to find you, connect with you online, and 
I'm putting you on the spot. I would love to hear a bit of your motive, motivation as we close out. Okay, okay. You know, so firstly, you can, um, you can go and search our website at pavethepathforyouth.org. Um, our Twitter and Instagram handle is the number one, Pave the Path, which is P-A-V-E-T-H-E-P-A-T-H. Facebook, you can just look us up by our name, Pave the Path. As for myself, you can go and find me on any one of the social media outlets at J.L. Winters, W-I-N-T-E-R-S-S. There's two S's on the end. Um, as far as um, some of my motivation to people, I, I really do believe that in this world, in this lifetime, especially anyone that's listening right now that's coming from limited resources and just anybody in general, get really, really familiar, get very familiar with living to your potential and not your quota. Get very, very familiar with making sure that you're understanding that because you come from what you come from or because you are where you are in your life, you're going to have a lot of people that they're going to put the average on you. Like, hey, do enough to get by. Your potential is not tied to the average. So for you students out there, the average is 70, but that 70 is not your potential. Your potential is 9,599. Do your absolute best to get familiar with living to your full potential and tapping into that potential because essentially, don't misunderstand what I'm saying by saying get familiar to live to your potential and not your quota. You have to make sure that you're turning your potential into a reality as well. So that's something that I'm very big on. And you may ask me, you know, well, Joe, how do you get familiar with your potential if you don't like what you do? And that's very simple. Stop doing things you don't like. Stop taking part in things you don't like. If you go into that job every day and you come at home like, oh, man, I hate my job, blah, blah, blah. Leave that job. Leave the job. I understand that people, you have to pay your bills and stuff. So if you don't like your job, start making your exit strategy. Okay, these next three, four checks, I need to be putting away X amount so that way I can do this and do that and then I'm out of here. Don't live with outside your means. If you make 40K a year, do not live like you make 40K a year. So that way you're not stuck in a position to where you have to do something that you hate. Ultimately, you have to make sure that you're, like I said, you're living to your potential, not your quota. and I do believe that you are worth the absolute most when you're doing what it is you love. That's when you are worth the most. You would never be worth the most doing something that you don't love just because it's paying your bills. Mm. That is not when you're worth the most. So make sure you check your inventory, make sure you understand what you have in your bank and chase your potential, not your quota. Man, I love it. And thank you for uh just taking the time to share that as well. Joe, this has been an amazing interview. Thank you for uh, squeezing me in. Wow, you went deep. And I know that <laughs> our future is in great hands with Pave the Path. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. You have a great rest of your Saturday and we'll talk soon. You have a great day as well. Be blessed. Thank you. Thank you.